0: Episode 83 of Shades Midweek, where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I'm joined in 4Stream Studio by my co-hosts, John Mark Durow, and Jonathan Hayes. How are you all doing today? Good, man. Dude, Good I, to be here.
1: I am doing fantastic. Do you boys want to know why I'm doing fantastic? What? It doesn't have anything to do with baseball, does there it? There is baseball in oh. October going on. Listen, y'all oh, get yeah. to jump I on about here. about that, the y'all baseball get, thing. Y'all get to jump on here and talk about football all the time. It is playoff
2: time. Oh, that's awesome! Time. Boston, okay. the Red so, Sox. So who's
3: in it? Is Chicago Bulls. So, or what's, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna throw something. <laughs> I'm, gonna throw something. I'm kidding.
1: The, uh, the no, the Boston Red Sox beat
0: uh, uh, the, Sox. the Yankees
3: last
1: night in the uh, the wild card for the okay. American League. So tonight is the National League uh, wild card game, and it is the St. Louis Cardinals who've been red
0: hot. Mm.
1: Um and they are playing Albert Pujols, right? They are playing He's the Los Angeles An- think. They're playing the Los I know. Angeles That was kind of
0: a joke they
1: They're playing the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I need everybody to root for the Cardinals tonight, which I normally would not say, but I want the Dodgers gone. Andrew
3: Thompson. Oh, the Dodgers, oh, won. wow. They won it all last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah see, I know baseball. Yeah. yeah. My just, neighbor is a huge Cardinals fan, so he'll probably be watching tonight, I'm well, sure.
0: Root, I think if I grew up in St. Louis, I'd be a big Cardinals fan. It's pretty cool.
1: I've been to a game,
0: actually, in yeah. St. Louis.
1: Actually, you were, you were with me in St. Louis for that, Brad.
0: That's right. But you weren't at the yes. game. Yes, <laughs> but I have been to a car. You didn't game. go to the game with so, Jonathan? No. What had happened was – No, we do not need to share the story. What
1: happened was Brad and I were on a road trip uh, together. and I, I don't, was like,
0: I'm not going
3: to that game. W-
1: w- no, no, no. Here's what happened. We were not originally supposed to be together on that road trip. It was I was going by myself. And so I had scheduled on my way home to actually go through St. Louis because I have a really good friend uh, who lives there and he bought tickets for us to go to a game and all that kind of stuff. Well, then Brad's like, hey, uh, it's turned out I can go uh, with you on this trip. Is that cool? And I was like, yeah, Yeah. it's just going to mean that. For a couple of hours in St. Louis, you're going to have to sit at a coffee house or something.
0: So I prayer walked. You down. couldn't get a I ticket? You couldn't downtown. get in the game? No, I, I had, had to sit by himself. I have a really good friend in St. Louis. I did an internship in St. Louis for a summer, so I had a good friend, so I visited with him. So great.
1: Anyway, so yeah, baseball in October. The Braves. Uh, the Braves are doing good, Yeah. We, right? Our series with the Brew Crew, the um, Milwaukee Brewers, it will start on Friday. Friday, that's right. Yes, Friday and uh boys i have a friend from seminary who called me the other day so so the series starts in milwaukee there will be two games in milwaukee and then on monday uh, will be the first it will be game 3 and it'll be in atlanta my friend called me and he got Go to, Brewers. he
3: got i'm <laughs> For, well, i got family from milwaukee I man quit. <laughs> you're a big, you're a big fan
2: milwaukee
3: Who's your favorite? I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pull for the Brewers. You who's know what? Your, uh, <laughs> you know what? Who's your favorite player? Roll Tide, John Mark. Listen, Roll Tide. I'm going to have to pull for the Brewers. Who's that guy? The guy that got in trouble? I don't, I don't <laughs> even the- want to talk
0: about it. <laughs> what he I was, was taking steroids on What, I, what
1: I, I was saying. We sound like a sports talk show right now all yelling over each other. Yeah. What I was saying is that uh, he got two tickets to the game and he invited me to go. So um, I've rearranged my schedule. And I'm going to go to the playoff game. Wow, right, wow. dude, that's awesome, man! SunTrust so that's Field, gonna be, what, yeah, Park. I've, I've well, been there. So here's what happens when your field's named after a bank that then gets bought out and merges with another bank. What's so the name of it's, the it's, field? Did they change it? Yeah, it's Truist. It's Truist Park. Oh, it doesn't okay. have quite the because, same. because SunTrust to it, and another bank merged. I don't even know areas. which one. And the the name of their after the merger is Truist. So change the
0: name. makes sense.
3: I saw Metallica there, so <laughs> did there you, you go. Oh, sure wow. Did. There you go. All right, let's go to the email corner. All right. Um, we've got an email from Connor Gata. Yes, we love Connor. Uh, Dear Force Stream Studio, a few days ago I was driving and revisiting one of my favorite episodes, episode 34. Can we
1: just recognize really quickly that he was revisiting an episode? He's a dedicated, that's, dedicated fan. I mean, I don't know if you're listening, uh, Sage, but, oh. I mean, he's re-listening. That's that's some challenge.
3: Uh, episode 34, 4Stream Unity on Apple Podcasts, and came across something special from around the one hour and six minute mark to one hour and seven. Uh, in the episode, Brad discusses the importance of unity within various Christian worship traditions in a really special, encouraging way. Oftentimes it is easy to grieve over the state of the body of Christ in America, but I found Brad's vision of a united and robust church to be really helpful. I would encourage everyone to go back and listen to this clip. So, yeah, definitely go back and listen to it. I thought about us listening to it here, but just go search for it. It's out there. But
1: then Um, we were like, it's Brad talking. (laughs) It's not me or John Mark, so we didn't know know that.
3: Connor did such a great job at describing what was said. That's right. Connor's always been such a sharp guy. Mm I agree. And then Connor goes on to say, additionally, I love the podcast, y'all. It is really encouraging to listen to during the week, especially when I'm trapped at home, sick with mono. Wasn't uh, expecting mono Keep up right the there. good work. Love y'all. Yeah, mono. turns and out monos. that people also get sick of other things,
0: and uh, mono is one of those things. So. I think I had mono, and it's horrible. You have zero energy, and it just keeps going. Right. I can remember... At one point thinking, am I ever going to be able to make it through a full day again? So hang in there, Connor.
3: Yeah, I actually emailed him back because uh, he just sent this yesterday. Um, and I emailed him back and he said that he is uh, recovering, so he may be here on Sunday. Oh. He's doing much better. Okay, already, good. So Awesome. Well, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Seriously,
1: Connor, thank you for your email, man, and just for being so encouraging. I mean, it, it, it's... It's nice for anybody, I think, when you hear encouraging words. And even though we joke around a lot here on the show, um, you know, Brad, you, you really do have a, a way. I think often of talking about and describing uh, the unity of the body of Christ in a compelling way that's that's biblical. And so I just wanted to affirm you and affirm what Connor was saying and make wow. you feel really awkward right now. Wow, um,
0: man, but, I'm just uh, gonna receive it. But yeah, you know no, what Gordon awesome. Bow says. Gordon Bell says, how we receive gifts from one another is how we receive gifts from the Lord.
1: Yeah, you've told me that before. So you better just receive it.
0: Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) We love it when people ride into Shades Midweek,
3: so you can email us at midweek at shadesvalley.org. But Uh, only if
1: it's affirmation like Connor.
3: And we, we're on a good roll too. I, I feel like there's been several weeks back to back where we've gotten at least one email that we've been able to read uh, each week. So that's just a lot of fun to be able to share that with everybody. That's right. So that's all for the email uh, corridor. i
1: M, I'm starting to feel like you got somewhere to be. I'm you're, just trying to keep shuffling us, us along. I'm just
3: trying to keep <laughs> us moving. Sometimes we. Dilly dally around, what? and people don't care. <laughs> uh, and they do the little thing where they pull it up on their Spotify and they go 15 seconds, 15 seconds, and then they get to the parts they want to get to. So, I'm just trying to keep us that sounds so I-
0: like your wife is giving you some
3: keep feedback. us moving along. <laughs> uh, no, she did actually, uh, speaking of, she did text Jonathan and I separately as she was listening to last week's episode. Um, And thought it was funny that I wore a tank top, a black tank top, uh, to the first time I met you, Jonathan. (laughs) And... Uh, I was actually thinking about that, and I don't—I do not think it was a Metallica tank top. I used to have an "Obey, Obey" propaganda. is a there you go, uh, they make T-shirts and things like that, and it said "Obey" on it. So that's probably yeah, what
0: I had. You were on. just showing up in weakness, you know. So mm-hmm. "Obey." That's happened. Um, that's happened
1: more than once. When Ashley thinks that something's funny on the show, she'll text. And she's kind of more texting John Mark, I think, than she is me, but she includes me so that I get to enjoy Just so that you can the see. commentary, and it's hilarious. That's yeah, we, we
3: do that from time to time. I love it. Okay, today's album comes from Brandy Carlisle, who uh, is a singer-songwriter that I really enjoy Americana- Uh, Kind of alternative country. Um, She's just an amazing songwriter and an incredible vocalist. And she just put out a new record called In These Silent Days. Uh, Just came out last week. It's got some great, great songs on it. I'm still making my way through it. I think it's one that you can sit with, really uh, just read the lyrics and um, dive into what some of these songs are about. There's a couple of highlights for me. Uh, one uh, highlight is a song called "Mama Werewolf," which I really enjoy. Just with Halloween coming up, um, so this is a little taste of uh, this song called "Mama Werewolf."
4: Your mama is a werewolf, <laughs> with long sharp teeth.
1: I like on it already. A
4: night when the world should sleep, I curse the darkness. When it's killing time, I got a river of fear running through my mind. When the moon shines through those partying oh, lights yeah. I hear the cold and I howl out loud. I will stalk the street
3: Great production, great band that she has, eyes, great
2: voice amazing.
4: God, that that rise. but that sun but that sun My own yeah.
3: sweet
0: child. What's her
3: what's her hit song? Uh she had what was that one? The story, I think, was pretty popular. Would you, I was, would I think you that sing was a, a pretty bit popular song? I can't really remember. I mean, she's been around for a while. Yeah, um yeah. I don't know if that's her most popular song. That's just one that I'm familiar with okay, off the top of okay. my head. Cool. She has this other song on here that's incredibly intense called Sinners, Saints and Fools. Mm. Um and let me tell you, this is a lyrical journey right here.
4: Where the winds of change were blowing There lived a God-fearing man He was turning through his Bible When he came up with a plan He painted up a sign And held it high above his head Waved it proudly in the air This is what it read
3: Yeah, go wow. check out the lyrics on that one. Uh, it's a story; it gets pretty intense, and uh, the protagonist in that uh, in that song has a kind of a fateful ending when they when they get to heaven. So, uh, my goodness, or when they, at least when they approach the gates.
0: Ooh, all that's right. all I'll
3: say. I'll leave it at that. Right. Brandy Carlisle, yeah, this Love it. album is in these silent days. Uh, there's several other great tracks on it. Mama Werewolf, Sinners, Saints, and Fools are my favorites right now. Let me know if you listen to that. And if you like it, okay, Brad came in here late because, I don't know, he had to eat lunch or something and uh, just kind of taking his sweet time. So he didn't have a book for today, but Jonathan jumped at the chance to give us a book. So here we go.
0: That's right, Brad. It's Jonathan's book club now. Well, I was going to introduce it and then take a couple jabs at Jonathan. (laughs) Nope. But now I've totally lost that opportunity. Our producer is is setting a new pace format. I have been
1: silenced. He's
0: pushing us on. Jonathan, what do you have for Bradford's Book Club?
1: (laughs) Well, gentlemen, I've actually, a number of times when I've had this honor, uh, I've recommended children's books. So I decided to stay in that vein. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. Because... (laughs) Because I have absolutely loved. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've have, I have absolutely loved. I had to. That uh, was
0: ironically childish, John Mark. <laughs> right. Just setting, Sorry, the, go ahead. setting the tone. Go ahead, Jonathan. Really excited. No more interrupting now. Really excited to have you, no. really we're, we're to have you on Bradford's We're done interrupting
3: Jonathan. We've interrupted him so many times today.
1: I have loved reading this book to my children, and we are about a third of the way through. We're 100 pages in. This thing's like 300 pages long. Oh, my goodness. It's 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 a hefty one. Um, but, it's I mean, it, it, it is a children's book. It's illustrated. Um, but it's the uh, Little Pilgrim's Progress oh. Illustrated Edition. Um, and this one is written by Helen L. Taylor. And it is envisioned and illustrated by Joe St- Sutfin. Sutfin? S U T P H I N? Sutfin? Sutfin? Something like that. Anyway, I originally found it uh, through an email that I got from The Rabbit Room. So, for those of you who don't know, The Rabbit Room uh, was started by Andrew Peterson, uh, who we've talked about a couple of times on here. He's a singer, songwriter. He's also an author. And if you go to The Rabbit Room's website, you can find just a collection of all sorts of resources from music to books. To different things that they recommend, and they recommend some great children's books, and this is one of them. Like I said, we're a third of the way through it, and it's an adaptation of the classic uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Uh, which, if you haven't read that, you definitely should. John Bunyan. So, fun fact: you can get it for free, probably. Oh, I'm sure John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is is the most printed and translated original English work of all time. The only reason it holds that title above the Bible is because the Bible wasn't originally written in English, obviously. Um, So the Bible has definitely been printed and translated more. uh, But yeah, John, if you look at like best-selling books of all time, uh, including every book in the world, it's always within the top five and if you take foreign language books out of that, like, you're going to have the Bible, the Book of Common Prayer, and then John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress.
3: Wow. Yeah. So Take that, Bill
1: Shakespeare. So, yeah. So it's a highly influential, and it is highly influential in the English language, too. It's a highly influential work. Um, and just, it's beautiful. He's teaching theology, and what he's really teaching you is a theology of the Christian life. Of salvation, and then primarily his focus is on sanctification. How does one travel throughout this life, facing all the temptations, uh, danger, suffering, all of these things? And he just does it through this beautiful narrative. Um, so, but this this book is fantastic. The illustrations are beautiful. The chapters are short, so we only read one to two chapters a night, and it really takes us like five to ten minutes. Um, but even going at that pace, we're moving along pretty quickly, and my kids love it, like all ages. Like Karis likes it, Levi likes it, and then so do the little boys. Um, And so it's just been a fantastic read. Highly recommend it. Little Pilgrim's Progress, uh, as written as adapted by Helen L. Taylor. Uh, The cover of it, if you look it up on Amazon, which I would encourage you to buy it from the Rabbit Room to support. There, I mean, I'm sure they still get some support, but but support their ministry by going there. But if you look it up, um, the characters uh, it's uh, they're um, what's the word? They're animals. They're not humans. I forget the word here. I'm looking for it, but I can't find it. Uh, Anyway, um, so like Little Pilgrim is a rabbit and Evangelist is an owl and so forth and so on. But yeah, it's been a blast. So that's my book, Rick.
3: I love it. That's a great book. I'm definitely going to check that out.
0: Yeah, great recommendation, Jonathan. So glad we chose to have you on the program today. (laughs) Very intentional.
1: Well, so what we're doing for the rest of today is we are doing our final episode in the celebration of Shades' 30th anniversary, and we recorded earlier a very special interview. Now, as John Mark said, I don't want to confuse you here. I want to explain kind of what happens. As John Mark said, Brad was late to the interview uh, due to a lunch appointment. We're recording this intro after all of that, so it's going to sound like Brad was yes. here. Then Brad disappears. We want you to think
0: deeply <laughs> about time. <laughs> well, you know, it's just Brad. If this
1: is this episode is like a Christopher Nolan film.
0: Exactly. Right,
3: Brad. Brad has a uh, reserved appointment every day for lunch at Bottega, and sometimes they go long. And when they go long, we just have to
0: start without him. And That's my right. chauffeur was running behind. It's <laughs> right. just—it's a long story.
1: It's a mess. It's a mess. I yeah. had to get his shoe Standing
0: reservation showed. at Bottega.
1: Anyway, well, we saved the best for last. Hope that you will enjoy uh, this interview. So today on Shades Midweek, we are incredibly excited for those who have been listening over the past several weeks. You know, we've been doing a series celebrating the 30th anniversary of Shades and we've had an interview with John Hudson about the building. We've had an interview with some longtime uh, members and then John Mark Brad and myself reminisced last week about the, the last 10 years, but we have saved the best for last. Um, and so for our final interview in this series, we have with us today none other than the longest-serving pastor of Shades Valley Community Church, Mike Garrigan. Mike, thank you so much for joining us via phone today.
2: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
1: Uh, you're on the road, correct?
2: Yes, we are on the road. Oh. We uh, we just made our maiden voyage. We bought a travel trailer, and we uh, this was our maiden voyage this week to try to learned some things and figured all out. And we went right into the belly of three days of thunderstorms. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah. A learning curve. So now (laughs) we're, we're heading for somewhere sunny.
1: Right. Right. Living, living your best retired life these days.
2: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Oh, definitely.
2: Everyone should look forward to retirement.
1: (laughs) Uh, I
2: think a, a pastor friend told me that, uh, in the Old Testament, or I guess in, in New Testament times as well, that the priest retired somewhere around age forty.
1: Uh, that sounds better to me every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Oh uh. man. Well, Mike, we're we're excited that you're uh, that you agreed to let us interview you, and and the way we kind of wanted to start was uh, we know obviously there are so many relationships you have. Uh, with people uh, here still in Birmingham at Shades. And by the way, any of them that know we're interviewing today, all of them said hey. So just a big, large, collective hello from every single person you know in Birmingham because I will forget and leave somebody out if I try to name them individually. Yeah, oh, uh, um, right, thank you. But uh But there are also, you know, there are a lot of uh, newer people that have become a part of the Shades family over the last decade. Um, and so for their sake, as well as for mine and John Marks who are here right now, we thought it'd be good to start just by asking if you'd share with us just kind of a little bit of your story uh, before Shades. So like kind of how you grew up and maybe up to the, the point in your life that you got into ministry and uh, up, up to the point before you really began to come to Shades.
2: Okay, i to do that in kind of a nutshell. So I was, I was raised in a church. Uh, I didn't come into a personal relationship with Christ until I was a student at the University of Kentucky. And uh, and so while I was there I was majoring in pre-med, I always just wanted to go to medical school I didn't care about anything else. And uh, I came to know the board and started having a desire to do ministry, along with the fact that I realized I really had no science mentality, so I probably wasn't gonna go to medical. kind of a perfect storm thing and uh, come to Christ through Campus Crusade and got involved with Campus Crusade transferred to western Kentucky where Dottie was a student and we were involved
4: there so then after
2: college um, spent about a year with a CPA firm in Cincinnati and then went on Campus Crusade staff from there went to Dallas Seminary and from there went back to uh, hometown Madisonville, Kentucky to church plant and uh, planted a church there and about five years into that we affiliated with the Evangelical Free Church and that's how I got to know Don Newell at Shades Valley and so uh, after 12 years in Madisonville uh, I began to feel like the Lord was calling us uh, somewhere else and happened to be at same time that uh, Chase Valley was in search of a pastor, and because of the relationship I had with Don uh, through the Free church district, uh, I don't know if I talked to him first or he talked to me first, but anyway, we ended up coming to Birmingham for kind of a spy out the land time, and uh, met with the elders, the Shonies over coffee and dessert, and just talked about church. And uh, one thing led to another, so they asked us to come in March of
4: 1993.
2: And I will say that I wasn't the first choice. Uh, there were the church. The church was in some challenging positions at that point in time, and there were several guys in ministry that they they knew well. And I, if, if I'm if I remember rightly, I think that they really wanted them to come. But, Nobody would come. And so, I always kind of joked and said that they,
4: they found me at a
2: travel agency because I was the last resort. But anyway, <laughs> we got there. And uh, Don and I uh, co-pastored for a while. We had, a, we had a, you know, a history and a good relationship. So, that's how we got to Chase Valley, right before the winter storm of '93.
1: Right, which people still talk about.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: it was big. Now I don't I don't say this to hurt your feelings at all, but in the winter of 1993, I was 10 years old.
2: <laughs> That's why I get to be retired now.
1: <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> right. uh, well, to to rewind uh, just a little bit. So you said Madisonville, uh, Kentucky is is hometown, uh, which. Uh, you do have, uh, I remember the first time that I met you, I remember asking somebody, where is Mike from? Because his Southern accent is very distinct. Um, and, and yeah, they, uh, but, but yeah, so Kentucky. So, uh, tell us just a little bit about what it was like growing up in Kentucky.
2: Well, I had just one of those kind of, uh, leave it to beaver families. Uh, my mom was real involved with us. My dad worked all the time. I'm the youngest of uh, three. And uh, my next brother is only 10 months older. than I or me, whichever is the right way to say that. And uh, so, you know, it was a really stable, great great life. We had a neighborhood I I always described as kind of growing up in a Norman Rockwell painting. Uh, And so finished high school in 1968
1: and headed off to college and didn't come back to Madisonville until after seminary in 1981. Gotcha. Now, um, I, I have a, a couple of questions rolling through my mind as I hear you, uh, <coughs> excuse me, as I hear you describe all of that. The, uh, the first one is you said you grew up in church. Am I correct? I, I feel like I remember this, hearing this from somewhere. Did you grow up within the Catholic Church? I did. I thought I thought that was the case. And so, so at what point did you come out of that into Protestantism? Was that uh, in college through Campus Crusade? Yeah.
2: Initially, uh, I lived at the Sigma Chi fraternity house in the UK, and there were uh, four or five guys. There, that were pretty strong believers and involved with Crusade. So, Campus Crusade staff would hang around over there a lot of times. And I was really kind of in a heavy pursuit of a relationship with God. There were things about my life I didn't really like. And uh, so, I had started going to uh, Mass each day at the Newman Center and just kind of in a search. And uh, I think what all that led me to understand is that I have a relationship with the church. I could have a personal relationship with Christ. Hmm. And so um, that March 26, 1970, to be specifically, I laid in my bed as a fraternity house. And I said, Jesus, I believe your God, come into my life and change it. And so from that point on, I was involved Went home, told my parents what had happened. My dad was kind of like, "It's your life; you got to live it." My mother was kind of like, "I'm a failure as a mother." No. And, uh, you know, because that was a big thing, and I wasn't—I sure. wasn't leaving the Catholic faith then. It really wasn't for about six or eight months until I just had to make a decision about some of my beliefs. I'm not being critical of the Catholic faith. Many true believers in the Catholic Church, but uh, just think I came to a point where I, I felt like the Scripture was to be the sole authority mm. for faith and practice. And uh, James and Mark Luther, though I didn't understand then, but faith alone, grace alone, Scripture alone. Right. So that was kind of the, that was kind of the journey. And then, uh, you know, during my days of uh, Southern Baptist, I was Plymouth Brethren, I Bible church, all Cemetery, uh, and then came back and planted uh, a Bible church in Madison, which eventually became an image of a church. Again.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't know that you had uh, any history with Plymouth Brethren. My, my wife grew up not in the Plymouth Brethren, but, but the churches were basically an offshoot of Plymouth Brethren, so a lot of similarities there. Not many people are yeah. familiar with Plymouth Brethren. No. But I also no. didn't. I love how I'm learning just all sorts of little tidbits as you talk. I had no idea that you were uh, Sigma Chi uh, fraternity. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. So one other question I thought uh, about just as, uh, and this is solely just for my own curiosity, and I think that John Mark will be interested in this one as well. So you said you graduated high school in 1968. Um, this, right. this might have been, you know, just a, a little bit of a good time for music in music history. I'm really curious, what, what, what kind of music was uh, Mike Garrigan listening to in 1968?
2: Oh gosh, Uh, probably uh, The Righteous Brothers, The Four Tops, The Supremes, Frankie Valley, and The Four Seasons. I I didn't like anything. I liked The Beatles early on, but I didn't like anything uh, hard rock. I wasn't a Rolling Stone Stone kind of guy, that sort of thing. John Mark, you
1: nodded. John Mark, you nodded like you recognized every single one of those artists. I think I recognized like <laughs> I two. do.
3: I do love Frankie Valli. <laughs> Um Yeah, so you were more into like some of the pop, more of the pop-oriented music, as opposed to like yeah, the, I mean, the rock and roll and the some of the psychedelic yeah, kind stuff. Of the,
2: kind of the British Invasion when I was, you know, I was probably you know fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. 14 with the Beatles, and all British Invasion.
3: Right. That sort of
2: thing. I, I have no musical talent, and, and no real ear for it, so, so I can't play the radio. And I didn't
1: do that. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you said right there.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. Um. Well, Mike, Brad actually just walked into the room. Uh, we told you he'd get here eventually. Uh, Brad, you had a, a long lunch there.
0: hey yeah. Brad Hey, Mike, it's good to hear from you. Good to hear you. I'm I'm a little disheveled. I'm coming in from a uh, lunch that went a little too long. GM Pizzeria had to wait 45 minutes for my food. That's not a negative advertisement. It's just a fact. But yeah, my food's in my throat right now from running across the street. So I'm ready for this interview. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt the flow.
2: Uh, so hope, hope, we don't give you, hope we don't give you indigestion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Brad, you've missed Mike's growing up years and college and, and all of that and how he uh, got connected with the Free Church and then came to to Shades in 1993. So we're just – Okay, great. We just have him arriving at Shades. And so I, I uh, you guys can ask whatever questions you all would like to, but the the one that's probably most pressing on my mind, Mike, after – Especially after talking with and interviewing a couple of uh, longtime members, so so my understanding would be that when you arrived uh, in ninety three, that Shades uh, didn't exactly have the same culture that it has now. Um, that you know it had been planted and really had kind of like this young life feel and almost uh, and like a seeker sensitive feel. None of which strikes me as anything that would have attracted you to come and, and pastor and shepherd from what I know of you and your influences, and then ultimately the direction that you would help to lead Shades in. So so I'm just, I'm curious both, one, what drew you to Shades? I mean, I know, obviously the Lord, but I'm just kind of curious what that looked like. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then, yeah, and then I'll ask a follow-up. Well, my follow-up question is going to be like, what did it look like for Shades to transition? Like, what did that look like from being that, from having that starting point to becoming the more organic, uh, family-oriented mission, uh, uh missional uh, lifestyle? What, what it, it kind of moving in that direction of just simple authenticity? Um, and I'm just curious what all that looked like.
2: I'll, I'll try to I'll try to respond in some sort of logical order here.
1: Uh, oh, we're, we're, there's no there's no logic or rhyme or reason to to this podcast.
2: <laughs> you know the the opportunity came up. I had uh, six. Uh, I had resigned. I'd been at uh, the church in Madison, of Grace Fellowship, which had been an incredibly wonderful experience for about twelve years, and but was. I uh, going to leave there and go to Dallas and work with a friend, close friend at his church in Dallas. Uh, so after consulting and praying with the elders for a good while, uh, I resigned uh, six months before the date I would actually leave. So I had a six-month window there. So in that period of time, uh, the ministry in Dallas closed down. And so now I was I was in Madisonville still still leaving the church but set to resign and as we uh, prayed about it about about the future the elders just said we think God's calling you out and this doesn't change anything uh, maybe a kind way of saying we're ready to be done with you I, I don't think really because it was a really good situation but they said. You know, we just don't think you're supposed to stay here. There's something out there. Mm. So the opportunity uh, came up with with Shades and Birmingham. And uh, when I came down uh, and kind of on that spy out the land mission and ended up spending time with the elders and talking to them, it was clear that there was a real, uh, there were several different philosophies uh, at work about what church was to be like. Right. There's really two different camps, and um, you know, as you've probably been been told, and I think is certainly accurate. Mark Mark Wadley, uh who had started the church, is kind of a secret model church. Sure. Was uh, very gifted and talented at attracting students because of his young life background, and students bring parents. And the church was blessed with a really incredible, I'll call it a worship team. I don't know that that is the most accurate term. I think it was because they did worship on Wednesday night. And Sunday morning music was, uh, again, was, was more of a sequel orientation. Gotcha. And a fellow by the name of Jeff Salceda uh, and Roger Strick. Roger was the, the music and youth guy for a good while uh they they just really were good at what they were doing Mm. but among the leadership and among the congregation there were these two sort of philosophies so uh when i came in and interviewed and talked it was was clear that there was a uh, there was a desire to move in a different direction among the majority of leadership and so uh Coming ended up coming. I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm not being self deprecating. I think it's kind of true. Um, Don Newell and I were kind of like Larry Crabb used this illustration in Marriage. Talks about two bankrupt businessmen going into business together, hoping the other had capital. <laughs> Don, 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 had, on responsibility for leading the church and he needed help and the place I thought I was going disappeared and so I needed a place to go and you know in the midst of all of our uh, the things we're aware of on a human level God has a a more sovereign plan going and so we took the opportunity in, in, in Birmingham I didn't really fully know what I was getting into because of those two uh, camps. True. Sure. But I found that, uh, you know, I guess that in terms of pastoral uh, approach, vision, direction, uh, there was a good number of people that, that what, what I was bringing uh, appealed to, and there was a good number of people that it did not appeal to, and so to. Sometimes you all learned over the years that sometimes people leave a church, and then sometimes the church leaves the people. Hmm. And I think both of those things happened in those early three and a half or so years of shade. Um, but we very successfully ungrew the church.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we've but had we weren't failing. We've had we those time <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it took a while, and actually, I don't know if I should get into this. I don't really want to say too much, but there was a time when I went before the Lord, and I just said, Lord, what have I done? I mean, I brought my family into this. I'm in way over my head. Uh, I don't know how to lead this, and uh, the Holy Spirit actually gave me a vision Mm. of the next uh, seven years, and it was something I was able to write down and take to the elders, and the the, the baseline of that was, it's going to take six to eight years to bring about what I put in your heart for the church, so endure, Hmm. and it was really that word from the Lord that provided the strength, not just for me, but I think for the elders as well, for us to Keep
1: on keeping on through those difficult times. Right, Mike. It. Uh, I. I. We may have to talk to you off air sometime and get some more uh, some more details because just even just hearing you say that you had those times of going before the Lord and just those those admissions of weakness and I don't know how to lead this like it comforts me greatly because I think I <laughs> feel that way all the time. Yeah.
2: So. I felt, I felt, uh, I felt all, pretty much always inadequate. Mm. I think that's one of the fruits of the spirit that <laughs> right. didn't get included.
3: <laughs> oh, oh
2: Man.
1: First beatitude, right? Poor in spirit.
2: <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, you know, when I, when I got ready to go to seminary and I was really convinced I was supposed to go to seminary and, uh, pack up a family and go and, uh, everything circumstantially that could go wrong had gone wrong. I mean, and so I, I remember the week before I was supposed to leave and uh, our house hadn't sold and we didn't have any money and there was just, I had been injured at work and was on crutches and uh, I was just crawling out to the Lord, you know, and he gave me, uh, you know, James, James 1, And I wasn't very good at listening to the Holy Spirit, but I felt like the Lord said, endurance, not detours, you're going to need it. And uh, I can tell you that 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 scripture, along with a couple of others, uh, like Psalm 27, i have seen the goodness of the Lord, and I would have despaired if I had not believed. I'll say the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And those those two scriptures got me through five years of seminary. And so then uh, planting Grace Fellowship in Madisonville was not difficult. Uh, didn't have a lot of huge challenges. Uh, was incredibly enjoyable. And so then uh, when I got to uh, what one friend, uh, kindly described as Birmingham. Um, <laughs> when I got there, all those earlier lessons had to be relearned, mm. and you know, uh, I mean, Chase was Chase was an incredible place, and it just had to. You know, I had I had to come to a point to a point personally. Of saying, and this is part of this seven-year process and kind of an an inner healing process, if, if that's okay to say that, uh, I had to come to a, a greater place of peace where I was, I was okay with who I was and what I could bring, and that meant being okay with what I couldn't do mm. and couldn't bring, and that the chips had to fall where they may. And so I went. I went through a little bit of time, uh, soul searching, and in fact, at one point in '98, uh, uh, I thought I was done completely with ministry. I thought this is this is killing me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Lord did some things. and brought about some, some healing and some changing of perspective, and that, and that kind of opened up. It was all part of that seven-year vision. Wow. And then things began to open up. And uh, I was convinced, I don't want to give too long of an answer, but I, I really was convinced uh, at one point that uh, a really a really strong ministry among the men of the church was going to be an essential thing that had to happen. Mm. And honestly, I had spent my first seven years pretty much intimidated by the men of the church, and I had to I had to come to some resolve about uh, returning phone calls, not avoiding conversations. I'll, I'll tell you this quick story, and if I'm going on too long, stop it. Oh, uh, you're fine. But about five about five years in, we had a, a secretary. We had a wonderful girl named Cynthia Tidwell who had left the real estate business and come to work for the church at a a much lower salary to be our office manager and secretary. And it was through this time of transition, we we had lost the original building that we were in. We had met in the high school. They were finally going to tear the high school down. We had to find another property. We had changed the staff. There was just all kinds of chaos going on. Cynthia and I had a really good relationship. And she came in and she sat down one day in my office and she, and she said, uh, she said, Do you have any idea what it's like to work for you?
0: <laughs> that's it's always what you that. want to hear. I just did that to well, Jonathan thought- yesterday. That's really funny <laughs> that you bring that up.
2: <laughs> yeah, bring that up. God's timing. So I thought to myself, I didn't say this, but I thought to myself yeah, I think it's probably pretty good. I mean, I'm, like, you know, real sort of aware and sensitive. of and blah I blah blah, blah blah. And she said, "Well, let me tell you." And she began to tell me, and it was one of those uh, defining moments of my life mm. when she said, "You know, you're 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 unpredictable, and I don't know from one." Day to the what your mood is gonna be like, and da 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 And she went through this this list, and I'm sitting there with with this awareness, there is no way she would be saying this if she didn't love me and care about me. Because people who don't love us to care about us, they just walk away. They just leave. Mm-hmm. And so it was a Significant uh, defining moment for me in terms of beginning to take a look at uh, some of the things going on with me that I had been blinded to. So that was a real that was a healing that was a healing time that kind of opened up this this whole thing of uh, having needing to understand more. Gordon Gordon Bowles was on staff then, and I. Gordon was Gordon was just incredibly wonderful to have around and I, I think that uh, a lot of times he just wanted to kind of thought why I was even saying that. Maybe that'll
1: help. Mike, we lost you for just a second there. Um could you repeat what Gordon said?
2: <laughs> yeah, I just said Gordon was such a a wonderful person to work but I think that I probably frustrated him a lot in a lot of my ways. And uh, but he he remained uh, a, a good friend. It was so good to see him at the 30th reunion mm-hmm. because I hadn't seen him in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Gordon. Because we had financial setbacks in the early days of Shane There were some deep. When you when you had a whole lot of kids coming and and younger adults and whatnot, there were some deep pocket donors that really carried everything for probably four or five years. Hmm. And as they began to move away, either from the church or from Birmingham or whatever, uh, we had to we had to adjust majorly financially. And part of that was cut back staff. Right. And that's
1: when I hope we helped Gordon launch in the private practice. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, we all, all of us know Gordon, and all of us would just absolutely affirm. what you say uh, it? It was so great to have him back this uh, this past Sunday, and he's he continues to be a resource for Shades and for us. Uh, we refer to him a lot, or call him for advice a lot, and so
2: yeah, um and so he's a, he's a real he's a real gift to the body and then what happened after that after after gordon left is uh ed became available and we had the opportunity really just to have ed half time and y- so, yeah we've uh,
1: got some complaints know. to file about that <laughs> um <laughs> no no we're super thankful to have ed for as long yeah. as we did i i tell people you know ed was on staff for at least the first for seven years maybe after i i showed up he just retired in 2019 yeah. um yeah he
2: was he was around a good while. yeah yeah, yeah. For, so
1: for seven years and i it, it was just incredibly so valuable um to to have someone who had been a lead pastor before i'd never been a lead pastor before and i, I tell people it was almost like shades had employed uh, a counselor for me to, to just be on staff.
2: I felt, I felt like when I left and, and left somewhat uh, abruptly sooner than planned uh, because of the family situation, uh, right. that that was going to be, uh, it was going to be the, the stable element that would allow the mm-hmm. elders to move forward without having to make fast decisions. Right. Because they had Ed.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and we still, we still call Ed. <laughs> it's true, yeah, too. Um, true. So I have one more question before uh, we do something a little bit fun here. Um, but that is, I, th- this is when you were coming to Shades. And I don't know if you, uh, if this was your first sermon at Shades, or if you like preached in view of a call, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but I've heard this story And I don't even remember from who, but they said they knew you were the right man for the job when in this sermon they saw you get down on all fours and act like it was either a lamb or a goat. Do you remember this story?
2: Well, it was definitely a lamb. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was actually my sort of, I guess, trial sermon, uh, which, which might explain why the call wasn't unanimous. (laughs) nonetheless yeah uh i was i was speaking on uh one of the psalms i don't remember which i'm sure nobody else does either but uh and it was sort of one of those spontaneous impromptu things that that became a folklore yeah it's true that's awesome and they still and they still asked me to come right (laughs) right Oh. but the elder the elder who's a dear dear friend who, who called me to let me know that they had voted uh, for me to come was was very careful to let me know now this was not unanimous there's some people that don't want you <laughs> and he 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 felt the responsibility uh, pretty much the whole time I was there so that I wouldn't get the big head about anything <laughs> right. to to uh, say things like that to me and uh, I left him for it I kept saying listen I'm, I'm insecure enough I really don't need to hear that but uh, you know, that's how that unfolded
1: yeah I I don't know many many calls that are unanimous when when I came uh so Lance Humph was the head of the uh, uh not the elders but of the search team and when Lance, Lance was the one that delivered me the news and when he did Lance gave me percentages like here's the percentage that voted yes (laughs) and here's the percentage that voted and i was like well thanks
0: yeah
4: but yeah Yeah.
1: definitely definitely humble you well mike so we have something fun that we do with everybody that we interview brad do you want to introduce this
0: yeah mike it's something we call a lightning round
1: Oh oh yeah it's got a theme song mike it's got a theme song and everything so, Mike, are
2: you familiar with the lightning round? Uh, from somewhere, yeah. Maybe when you did, you did it
0: with John Huston? I heard that. Yes, we did. We did. So, essentially what we do okay. is we just fire a bunch of questions at you, and you answer with whatever comes to your mind. Okay. And then we, and then we might ask some follow-up questions. Okay. All right. All right, Mike, uh, how do you like your eggs? Scramble.
3: do you like coffee and if so how do you like your coffee
1: black me too my respect level just went through the roof <laughs> all right it's the only way to drink it
0: mike name a pet peeve that you have
2: oh uh, uh, um nothing comes to mind i have them but I, nothing's coming to mind
0: okay what was your favorite toy growing up?
2: Uh, my rifleman rifle.
0: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Do you still have it?
2: No, my best friend's mother threw it down the steps and broke it. Oh, oh goodness. She's it got so sad. That's another, that's another story. Oh.
3: What's your uh, favorite sport to watch? Kentucky basketball. Oh, okay. All right. See, I'm an Auburn fan, so an uh, interesting occurrence over the last few years has been uh, Auburn actually has a decent basketball team, and it's been kind of fun to watch Auburn play Kentucky for once in my oh,
2: life. <laughs> got a great coach and uh, great recruiting. And the,
3: whole, the whole SEC, the level of the whole SEC. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's just fun to watch uh, the teams actually compete with Kentucky now, so... What's with
2: the mo- with Alabama football. <laughs> no, no
0: kidding. Amen. <laughs> All right. What's the most beautiful place you've ever been?
2: Uh, Ogonquin, Maine. Oh wow! I,
1: I have, that was very specific.
0: Now, why That's
3: do you say where that?
2: Where I got
3: married. Ah. Where Anita
2: and I got married. Oh, okay. Right on the coast. Mm. Oh,
3: beautiful! I've been to Maine before, but I did not go uh, to the coast, and I honestly can't even remember where I went. But I played, I played music at a church in Maine one time. Well, so,
1: well, Ogonquid oh, okay. is now on my list because I mean, since since we were dating, Holly has always said she wanted to go to Maine. Mm. So oh, that's cool. So Ogunquit's yeah. on my list, Mike.
3: Well, Mike, if you yeah. could if you could go anywhere in the world on vacation, where would you go?
2: Uh, Ireland. Oh, yeah. Nice.
3: I was, I
1: thought he was going to say Ogonquit, Maine.
3: (laughs) If you could, if you could have dinner with any three guests of your choosing,
1: dead or or alive, right? Dead
3: or alive from any point, uh, in history outside the Bible, excluding people from the Bible, (laughs) who would you have over for dinner?
2: Um, I
3: would
2: have Eugene Peterson, mm. yep uh, anne Payne, and Anita hanner
0: Hmm. Yeah. All I mean, right.
1: Solid answers. Solid answers.
0: Yes. Now, uh, can you list one of your favorite TV shows? Uh, current? Current? It can be current or All a time. TV show from your past. Favorite TV show. Um,
2: well, I'm not being very light, am
1: I? <laughs> more, uh, than, more than some others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> TV show.
2: Just don't watch much regular TV. Okay, um, wh-
0: what about a movie?
2: Okay, Field of Dreams is my absolute favorite movie. I can I can name you all kinds of movies, but <laughs> Field of Dreams is my favorite movie.
1: Baseball movie, and you'll see that. You'll see that baseball movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Cry, Cry the Beloved Country, uh, Family Man, and The Mirror Has right. Two Faces would be uh, four movies I just could watch over and over and over again.
3: Alright, random question. Would love your opinion on this. Is it okay to double dip at a party?
2: Absolutely not. You can you can dip and then you can break off part of the chip and re-dip the unused part. Yes. No double dipping ever, anywhere.
3: I am with you a hundred and ten percent. Oh
2: what can you do with those people who double dip?
3: All right,
1: Mike. This one's for me. Where where do you buy your glasses? Well, uh, my last
2: pair of glasses I bought from Glasses USA
1: online. I have uh, there. There was a particular. I don't know if this was your last pair, but I love round glasses. And there was a particular pair that I, I used to see you wear all the time. And I was like, Where did he get those? Those are awesome. <laughs>
2: okay, those came from LensCrafters.
1: Okay, those are those yeah. are on the more expensive side than the glasses you I've ordered from Glasses USA before.
2: Yeah. yeah. You can get those uh, you get those at Lens Crafters. Uh, sometimes I have to order them there. But...
0: All right. How yeah. about Favorite Birmingham Restaurant? Ooh.
2: Oh, cheapers. Been a while, you know, but I'd have to say Tortuga's Pizza. Ah, oh,
0: okay. Tortugas. All right, then in the same vein, what would you choose for your last meal?
2: Uh, I think uh, I would probably say uh, beef, tenderloin, mashed potatoes with uh, peas and brown gravy and a little bowl on the mashed potatoes and uh, some good bread.
1: It feels like you've given this a lot of thought. No. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding no no that's awesome i love it
0: all right i think i have one more do you guys have any more
1: nope take it away brad last
2: question
0: okay last question <laughs> have you ever slapped somebody in the face
2: no but i threw a cat at a lady one time
0: <laughs> wow that counts that's in the same category oh,
2: that's amazing yeah well that's what i was thinking
0: Okay, and we actually, yeah, do have no, I...
2: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I won't explain that situation. Please, please. Yeah. I want to hear more of the story.
0: Yeah, our lawyers would probably advise well, that you don't.
2: There was, was a couple in our church who'd, who'd had problems for a long time, and the um, honestly, the husband was a real sweetheart, and the wife never believed she did anything wrong. And... Uh, I was called in for some crisis counseling Mm.
0: uh,
2: at their house and and they were sitting there and I was, I was trying to appeal to her about maybe owning a little bit of responsibility and this cat, their cat had jumped up in my lap and I was kind of stroking the cat and I was talking to her trying to come let us reason together, you know, and she said something and it just, It just got me. I picked up the cat and threw it at her and uh, got up and I said, don't ever call me for counseling again. You need somebody professional. You're out of my league. I
1: think I'm going to add this tactic to my counseling arsenal.
2: That was maybe a pastoral low point. Wow. Uh, Okay. But you you know what? They're still friends. (coughs) There you go. I still see them and they're still friends.
0: So. All right. Well, then well maybe we'll end on this one. What's the fastest you've ever driven in a car?
2: Oh, in a car, probably 80s. On my motorcycle, 129. Wow. All
0: right. Hold on one second. Across, 129 across on a South, motorcycle.
2: Across South Dakota, where there was nobody. Oh, you wow. You could see for miles and miles and miles. There's I pro- had to see what it would do.
1: It's probably no speed limit either there.
3: Do they even have laws in Dakota?
2: None that I could find.
3: Were you were you going to Sturgis?
2: No, I was going to uh Lakeside Montana to Wywan. YWAM, okay. YWAM base where David and Mary lived. Yeah, I did a much did different a than, from-
3: Much different than the Sturgis <laughs> rally, I would yes. imagine.
2: Yeah, much different. Yeah, I rode from Birmingham to uh I
1: like that's, that's awesome. Beautiful. Wow.
0: Well, great job. Thank Mike, you so you much. Mike, you survived the lining round. All
2: right.
1: Yeah, that's our live audience you hear well clapping. Done.
0: <laughs> well done. Well <laughs>
1: done. Well, Mike, you've been very no. generous with your time here with uh, being on the road with your wife and all that, so we don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, I-, I just wanted to give you some space uh, and kind of just ask what are some of your, as you reflect on your time at Shades and throughout the years, maybe what are some of your favorite uh, memories?
2: Oh boy. Well, you know, I I would say, first of all, without getting specific, um, being there that long, uh, being able to, uh, do weddings, watch kids grow up, uh, you know, pastorally, you get to be a part of people's lives in the best of their times and the worst of their times. Mm-hmm. And so, to, you know, to walk with people through the loss of a loved one and, and perform those those funerals and memorial services and to uh, dedicate, baptize their babies and see them grow up and marry some of them. Uh, I think, I mean, for me, the best of times are always relational. Um, Certainly, the uh, to see what was invested incredibly sacrificially by by the congregation to get into that building.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: To see how God moved, you know, when I listened to John Hudson's podcast, I just teared up two or three times thinking about it, thinking about what was what it took on behalf of people. Hmm. Uh, You know, I have a I have a friend here who's part of a Presbyterian church that is struggling and trying to make it to two hundred year anniversary in about ten years. Wow. And he said to me long long ago, I was asking him how things were going, and he said to me with tears in his eyes, he said, You know, we we stand on the shoulders of generation after generation of faithful believers who have been a part of this church. And he said, I just can't stand to see it not make it to that that mark you know and I thought you know, shade stands on the, the current congregation stands on the shoulders of at least one generation you know over the 30 years.
1: Yeah absolutely
2: and so that that was that was an incredible joy when we were able to get in there and start using that using that building. So that would probably physically be the greatest milestone but most of all my good memories are our, our relationships.
1: Yeah, there are uh, two. There are two kind of things as I listen to you talk that I, I wanted to ask you about. One of them, just as you talked about the building, Mike, uh, right, right when you come in the door uh, of the building, the, the underneath the drive-through, hanging on the wall uh, is a framed newspaper article um, yeah. of when Shades moved in the, into the facility, and there's a picture there uh, with you and the congregation. Um, and everybody, there's no chairs in the sanctuary yet or anything like that. Everybody's standing. I've always wanted to ask, like, is that a picture of the first time y'all worshiped in the facility?
2: It was the first time that they they gave us permission to be in it uh, with a certificate of occupancy. We weren't ready to meet yet, but uh, we came together just for a little worship time, prayer time, celebrate it. You know, but it wasn't the first service.
1: Right, right. So, listeners, over the course of trying to ask Mike this last question, uh, we kept dropping the call. He's dri- He was driving through some really rural area, and so uh, John Mark has done his professional best to clip together uh, w- both me asking the question and Mike responding, but realize if it sounds a little choppy, it's because we kept dropping the call, but we've put it together as best we could for you. We heard that Shades used to do this hoedown event, um, and I... We, we have been talking about resurrecting the Shades Valley Hoedown, and I just wanted to hear about uh, those experiences uh, from you, what those were like.
2: Well, that was uh, just a great time that we had down at the Rossers Farm. I mentioned them in my message last week. And uh, really, yeah, it was just kind of like everybody to have a of a big uh, metal kettle there on a the fire and everybody brought whatever they wanted to bring and dumped it in and uh, had great music and uh, yeah, just, just some good times I think, I think that early on in uh, the life of Shades we learned that we didn't play enough mm. we, we just needed to be more playful and just have fun together okay guys yeah, I'm, I'm in a real backwoods here but
1: oh you're fine um, we just wanted to, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry we're having so much trouble with dropping the calls, but thank you so much just for sharing with us about your time at Shades, the history of Shades, and even, uh, the little bit that we were able to, to talk to you about the things like the hoedown right there. We just appreciate your time, Mike, and just respect you so much and are so thankful for you and all the others who've gone before us. We, we are blessed because of God's work through, through you and through others.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike, so much for your time. We hope you enjoy your trip. This has been another episode of Shades Midweek 30th Anniversary.